Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Your plan should have a mechanism somewhere that says, I do not understand what is going on, I will step out. Because the number one rule in trading is preservation of capital. Stock markets have very, very few rules that pertain to individual investors, but they do have one rule that's really harsh. If you've got no money, you can't play. Hi, this is journalist Caroline Stephen, and this is episode 290 of the Talking Trading Podcast. Today, we take a good look on the show at the corona lunacy, which has hit the markets with Chris Tate in a market wrap for the week ending the 6th of March. And we also hear from Louise Bedford later in the show in our new Unsung Heroes segment. CT, I had a cold the other day. I was afraid it would turn into a virus. The coronavirus has spread from China to 80 other countries. The World Health Organization has over 95,000 people infected, 3,000 deaths worldwide. The majority of deaths have been in China, where the virus originated in December. But China's now saying that the virus must have originated somewhere else. Three people have died in Australia. Coles and Woolworths were forced to impose buying limits on toilet paper. The Dow Jones plunged. An emergency US interest rate cut was triggered. CT. Why is the Chinese index the only index around the world not to plummet? You have this, I, I suppose you can put it within the context of if you're going to have a pandemic anywhere, have it in a command and control economy. Because command and control economies are very, very, very good at instituting the forms of public health initiatives that Western economies are very, very poor at initiating. Think of it this way. Here in Melbourne, it will take us 10 to 15 years to build the hospital. The Chinese built one in seven days. There's, we have this notion where our various state and national health ministers are saying that people should self-isolate, which is all very good advice. The question is, how do you get them food? The Chinese already have a system for that. We haven't even thought about it yet. So when you, when you look at this sort of uh, spread of irrationality, you're not going to get that sort of spread in uh, an economy that is tightly controlled, that is very, very, very rigid in its approach. And the, the thing I would say particularly about our market is that what you're seeing is the spread of stupidity quicker than the spread of a virus. When you've got a situation where you've got fat women punching on in supermarkets over toilet paper, you know you actually have a serious problem. 
Lord help us if we have to deal with ever a serious problem such as climate change, environmental degradation, social dislocation from the growing gap between rich and poor, because if we have to deal with any, any of those, we're stuffed. Let's look at the US markets. What's happened there? What you're seeing is simply this notion of, well, let's put it in context. You've seen a market that has gone up continuously now since 2008, nine, and it's done so in an almost unbroken run. This is the first serious hiccup it's had. And so you've got this, look, I, won't, I don't want to use the phrase perfect storm. You've got this collection of over-leveraged investors, overconfident investors, investors suffering from recency bias because their only experience is of a market that ever goes up. The moment that stops occurring and they encounter this sort of groundswell of instability, their first response is to panic. And once panic begins to spread, it spreads like a contagion. But the, the point to note here is that people are concerned or taken by surprise by these things simply because they're not students of history. This is why I insist that everybody who is even vaguely serious about trading reads manias, crashes and panics and extraordinary popular delusions so that you learn about things like the tulip boom, you learn about the South Sea bubble, you learn about the roaring 20s. So you're not surprised by these things, this notion that all of a sudden this is an odd and unusual event. Well, it's, it's not really. This sort of uh, lunacy at the end of mania is a common occurrence. I actually had Charles McKay's book down to ask you about the extraordinary popular delusions to say, is this one of them? It is. It, it, it is simply the notion of, well, let's put it in context. I, I often have uh, conversations with people who, who sort of bemoan the fact that they struggle with their trading, but in general, people struggle with their lives. They, they struggle with all aspects of being a person. I can answer the reasons as to why that is quite simply. And we come back to the notion that you have fat women punching on over toilet paper in woolies. That, that if, if ever you've wondered why markets are irrational or why people's lives are like they are, you've simply got to look that up on Facebook and go, well, here's women punching on over toilet paper. Because for some reason, during the zombie apocalypse that we're supposedly going to have, toilet paper will be in short supply. But the odd thing is, in all the films I've seen about the zombie apocalypse, I've never seen panic buying of toilet paper on film. I think you miss your calling as a diplomat. Oh, seriously? You think? <laughs> so what about the Australian market? Look, we're, we're just simply caught in the slipstream of everybody else. And if you look at sort of where we are from the beginning of the month, most of most Western markets are down double digits. You know, it can be between 9 and 14%, depending on the market. But most of them have taken a serious caning. And as we're recording this, the US markets, their overnight futures have taken a belting again because the price of oil has collapsed, because yes. there's now an emerging price war occurring. And so we, we're getting this cascade of events. And you get these cascades in equity indices. They, they just happen. But it, it is people's concern is a reflection of the fact that they don't understand that this is not the only game in town. There are a, There's a rich ecology of other markets that you can trade, and you can simply walk away from equity indices and come back when things have calmed down. Okay, so we're traders. We've got a trading plan that says perhaps don't short indices. What do we do? 
the issue here is we come back to that notion of market diversification. If you look at particularly commodity markets, which have been trending well. Now, when I say trending well, I don't necessarily mean up. If you look at the energy complex, been trending down since the beginning of the year in probably one of the most obvious trends you'll ever see. Sugar, rough rice, yes. cattle, cocoa, all trending down, obvious trends. And so the other markets exist. This myopic focus that people have on indices, which are, let's put it into context, a very, very small portion of the tradable universe. Uh, stocks always have been a small portion of the tradable universe in terms of both, well, in terms of their actual size. And so there's a wide variety of other bibs and bobs out there that you can actually trade. Now, granted, people who have superannuation will be having conniptions, but I would say two things to you. If you're allowing somebody else to manage your superannuation, well, you are, you are at the whims of their failings. If you are managing your own superannuation and you don't have a plan that says, how do I deal with these outlier events? Well, then you're at the whims of your own failings. Either way, you're in trouble. And so if you have a plan, then this should not be an issue. These sorts of things are only an issue to people who don't have a plan. It's like the old analogy we use. When would you rather read the safety briefing that you the little card you get on an aeroplane, would you rather read that and be familiar with it on takeoff? Definitely when I'm crashing. Rather be trying to read it when you're hanging upside down in your seatbelt. Definitely when I'm hanging upside down. How's gold going? Gold, look, precious metals are intriguing in that gold's been stepping its way up, but there seems to be a lot of volatility kicking in at the end of their moves. Gold as of last week was volatile. Palladium was volatile last week. Silver and platinum have slipped down, but were volatile in those moves as well. So you've got this spread of volatility into markets that see, uh, markets that people see as, look, I won't use the word protective, but in some way a hedge or some form of different exposure. And so you've got this movement of volatility into them as well. And is the volatility from the virus... Look, I actually think that markets are wonderful in that they seem to have this view that if it's worth reacting to, it's worth overreacting to. And again, and people complain that I do this, but everything is context. Yes, there's been, what, 2,900 deaths in China since patient zero was identified. They estimate there's been 30,000 deaths to standard flu in China in that period. What people misunderstand is the extraordinary scale of China. We're talking about a country whose road toll is measured in the hundreds of thousands of years, who, who would lose probably 10 to 15% of the population of Australia in strokes and heart disease every year. The, the simple scale of having a population of 1.3 and a bit million people means that these absolute numbers look huge to us but the relative numbers are really quite small. And you mentioned that three people in Australia have died of coronavirus. Last week, more people won First Division Tats Lotto. 250 people have died in Italy so far, though. Yes, but you'll probably find they're all elderly as well. Why is oil plummeted? There is this, every so often, 
let me take a step back. Westerners tend to think that the Middle East is a unified block, that they're one thing. They're Arabs, so they must be all, all be the same. They're not. They're a series of competing fiefdoms, and the mechanism over which they compete is oil. And so the mechanism of competition is price. And the most particularly aggressive member of the region at present is Saudi Arabia, which has a very reactionary, very sort of dogmatic regime in power at present. And that has triggered this price war between them where they're going, no, we'll produce more. No, we'll produce more than you. No, we'll produce more than you. And of course, this sets off a chain of events and the price of crude collapses. So what should traders be doing now during these markets? Look, I, I, I could be facetious, facetious and say, you really should invent the Wayback Machine, go back in time and put something in your plan to deal with it. But the simple issue is that you will run into a situation, particularly if you are a follower of social media, where people are saying, I'm making millions doing this. No, they're not. I even came across a guy last week who said that he'd made a 10,500% return, which is physically impossible in the current market. Your plan should have a mechanism somewhere that says, I do not understand what is going on. I will step out. Because the number one rule in trading is preservation of capital. Stock markets have very, very few rules that pertain to individual investors. But they do have one rule that's really harsh. If you've got no money, you can't play. So you're not to look back in hindsight and say, well, I could have shorted the index on this particular occasion because it's dropped so far. Look, hindsight is the perfect investment tool. And the only, the only way we can make decisions is based upon what, what knowledge we have at the time. And our decision-making is bounded. It's bounded by the, the quality of the information we have, time we have to make the decision, and our intelligence. And all of those are bound. So we're, we're, we're stuck with limited decision-making capacity. You are much better off to have a reactionary response that says, in all the work and testing I've done, shorting the index is a fool's game. I step out. I have a squillion other markets to trade. And so I'm not really concerned about this. This this is the preserve of the amateur. It's the preserve of the person who's obsessed by listening to the news. I'll come back to equity indices when they start to behave. And, and if we put this into an historical context, because people are often making the comparison with the GFC, if you'd stepped out of equity markets during the GFC, let them do their thing, let them wash out. The gains in the US market post the GFC when it recovered were extraordinary. But only people who had preserved their capital during a collapse could take part of that. All the people who were heroes or trying to be heroes during a collapse had no money left. So they could not take advantage of that. So CT, what are you trading and looking at at the moment? I'm basically short a whole bunch of commodities. I don't have an equity or index trade on the books at all. I'm going to finish with a review that I want to read out and I want to get your comment at the end of it. Can we do this game? Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is a review from Josephine Williams who wrote it on the 6th of February 2020. Trading Game delivers so much valuable information. Caroline delivers an easy listening experience. Thanks, Josephine, which is both informative and entertaining. Louise and Chris make a great team who generously share their knowledge and expertise in trading. Their sole intention is to help make the listener a better trader. 
The key is for the listener to be ready to heed and absorb such good direction. CT in your words. Why are you and Louise a good direction for aspiring traders? I think we come back to this notion of recency bias. The majority of people who you come across in markets have been around for probably an hour and a half, that are instant experts. When you look at the fact that we've been around for a combined 50-odd years, there's not much you haven't seen, done, experienced, and there's not much in the way of people's emotions and irrationality that you've not had to deal with at some stage in your career. So for us, this is not a surprise. It's not a novel event. It's just I will add it to the list of probably two dozen other crises that I keep that I've seen over the decades. And it will, and it, this is the thing people forget. I, I, I have a friend who's Jewish and he's got all these wonderful Jewish sayings that he must have got from his grandmother. And he's got one that is perfectly appropriate to this. And it is this too shall pass. And it will. And in years to come, this will repeat itself in some way, form or another. But this particular event will pass. Thanks for your time, CT. No worries. Hi, my name is Brett Steenbarger, and my four rescue cats and I enjoy listening to Caroline on her podcast. And today's unsung hero is Adam Talbot. Adam has dedicated himself to becoming the best trader he can be. He and his partner are so excited about their trading future, and Chris Tate and I are as well. Not only has Adam completed our mentor program and our graduate training, he has also thrown himself into being a truly professional trader and He's recently bought himself a one-way ticket out of Australia. Sometimes the things that we do to expand ourselves, to make ourselves braver, can translate to other areas of our lives. He can trade from wherever he has an internet connection. It means freedom. It means choices. And for Adam, it means a one-way ticket so that he can explore the world on his own terms, making money as he goes. And he's even going to visit some of the other members of our mentor program in places like the Czech Republic, which is so exciting. So congratulations, Adam. We all wish you the best and you are our unsung hero. Chris, Louise and I would like to do a podcast on the most burning questions you would like Chris Tate to answer about your trading. So please write in to caroline at talkingtrading.com.au and we will give them to Chris and he will answer them on the show in detail. Stay tuned next week to hear trader Gil Ben-Hur from the Fivers all the way from Israel. In the meantime, happy trading As always, if you like this show, please be sure to tell a friend. This is super important because word of mouth is the most powerful way that people can get in touch with us. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcast and make sure you give us a big fat five-star review.
because it helps people find us. You'll also notice that Talking Trading doesn't use sponsors and barely advertisers. This is because Chris Tate and Louise Bedford fund this show from tradinggame.com.au. If you'd like to get Louise's five-part free e-course, register at tradinggame.com.au. So until next week, happy trading. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regards to your own situation.